National Geographic Documentary Films and Picture House present The Mission, the gripping story of John Chow, the American missionary killed attempting first contact with the indigenous peoples of North Sentinel Island. Hailed by Vanity Fair as one of the best documentaries of the year, a nuanced discussion of religion, pop culture, and colonialism, says IndieWire. The Mission, now playing in select theaters. Hey, I'm John Ridley. And I'm Matt Carey. And this is Doc Talk, a podcast where each week Matt and I dig into the critical content being created by some of today's most outstanding documentary filmmakers, storytellers, industry leaders, artists who are changing cinema and the world one documentary at a time. And this week, Matt, you have a film that certainly is about an individual who is doing everything they can to change the space around them. And apparently a high risk to themselves. Yes, this is Bobby Wine, the People's President from National Geographic Documentary Film. The story of Bobby Wine was a very, very popular pop singer in Uganda, his native Uganda. Then he became a politician and has challenged the dictator Yoweri Museveni, who's been in power in Uganda for 37 years now. So as you can imagine, somebody who's not going to take too kindly to to being opposed by anyone, including uh, the likes of Bobby Wine. It's a very inspiring story. It's also a love story of Bobby and his wife, a beautiful family. We got the opportunity to speak with Bobby and with the co-directors of the film, Moses Bueyo and Christopher Sharp. Here now is my interview with the makers of Bobby Wine, the people's president, and Bobby Wine. One of the most acclaimed documentaries of the year is Bobby Wine, the People's President from National Geographic Documentary Films. This is the story of Bobby Wine, the Ugandan pop singer who left this comfortable life being on top of the charts to become a political leader of his country, first elected to parliament, and then he challenged the ruthless dictator General Yoweri Museveni for the presidency of his country. And the documentary explores that campaign and the risk to his life, to the risk of the life of his supporters. We have a clip from Bobby Wine, the People's President, and this is where Bobby is talking about his relationship with his wife, Barbie. I didn't have so many dreams. I just wanted to have my good small car and good small house in the ghetto, and that's it. But when I met her and the things that she was saying and things that we talked with her, made me realize that I can actually impact lives. We can impact lives. She impacted my life. I had to impact other lives. She redefined me, I must say. I started feeling loved. I started feeling appreciated. But at the same time, I started feeling vulnerable. (laughs) We are so pleased to be joined by the directors of the film, Moses Bueyo and Christopher Sharp, and by Bobby Wine himself. Welcome to Doc Talk. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having us. You've been in the public eye for so long, but it's different when you realize, of course, that you've got a documentary crew with you. What was that process like for you of deciding that, yes, I'm going to invite them into my life because we not only see you on the campaign trail, we see you performing, but of course, it's a very intimate view of your family life as well. Yeah, uh, usually, uh, of course, I largely have been living a public life 
from the music to the politics. So yes, there has been cameras on my public life. The only strange thing was an up close and personal uh, follow up, especially after I got into the politics and my life got a little more tricky. So when Christopher suggested it, initially I was hesitant, but my wife and I agreed that this was our opportunity to welcome the world, the country and the world into our personal lives. In any case, we've always been wanting to inspire people. So we thought it was the best way to inspire them. And also, it was a huge opportunity for us to show the rest of the world what exactly happens in Uganda, unedited, uncensored. Moses and Christopher, as you're shaping the film, to what degree are you taking into account the different audiences that will see it? In other words, if your film was only for people in Uganda, there's certain things, say, you wouldn't have to explain or make clear, but this is obviously a film for a world audience. And that's a really, really good question. And we spent so much time thinking about that when we were editing. I mean, you know, how much history of Uganda do you give? How much context do you give? And at the end of the day, we knew we were making an observational documentary. And an observational documentary is a slice of time. We also very much thought that if people wanted to know more about Uganda's history, I mean, you're just one Google click away from knowing all you need to know. So we stuck to what we witnessed and what we saw during this five-year period. And that's what you've got on screen. You've got this story of this musician who gives everything up and his wife and their beautiful children. And then he sets off on this very perilous and very dangerous journey into the unknown. The other thing we constantly didn't know, I mean, you don't know how the film's going to end. You don't know if you've got a film. You don't know if something terrible is going to happen or Bobby might get sick. You know, when he was in Arua, which was when he got arrested and tortured, I genuinely thought that something really, really bad had happened to him. The other thing, just going back to what Bobby was saying about allowing us into his world, I think one thing we managed to establish with Bobby and Barbie very early on, they could trust us. And it is a matter of trust because at no point did Bobby or Barbie say, we want to see the film. They had no input at all. They completely trusted us to tell what we saw. And I think they were so confident about what they were doing and what they were doing was right. And they weren't doing it for the wrong reasons that they knew they had nothing to fear. They knew that what we were witnessing was something which was going to be positive for the people of Uganda and positive for everything they were endeavoring to do. Of course, Barbie is Bobby's wife, who is a major figure in the film and just a really beautiful woman in every respect. We as an audience, we fall in love with the whole family and with the kids who have such vibrant personalities. And Moses, that's in the storytelling, that's an important way, of course, of engaging the emotions of the audience. You know, we're not opening a textbook and learning about the necessarily, well, we do learn about some of the recent history of Uganda in particular, but that's how a film can really cross borders, it seems to me, when we're finding out about this family, these two people, and what the stakes are for them uh, and everything that they have risked to, to be part of public life in their country. 
Yeah, it was really great, um, you know, and an honor that Bobby and Bobby let us into their life. Through them, through their family, we see the larger story of Uganda and the story for the fight for freedom. You, you see the love between Bobby and Bobby and the strength and yeah, it was a privilege to to be in that space and to capture this wonderful observation of film. I think for a lot of people in the U.S., at least of a certain age, they think of Uganda and they think of Idi Amin, the former president, who became, you know, pretty well known around the world. Of course, there was an Oscar-winning film made about him where Forrest Whitaker, Alaskan was Scotland, where Forrest Whitaker portrayed Idi Amin. But many in America, I'm sure, have not been paying attention to more recent history of Uganda. Bobby, can you talk a little bit about who General Museveni is and how long he's been in power and what sort of a regime he's been running there? Well, Uganda is a country of 45 million people, 85% of which are under the age of five. We're literally the second youngest country on the planet. And Uganda has been ruled by General Museveni for 37 years since 1986. I was only four years when he came to power. Today I'm 41 and he's still the president. Initially, when he was coming in, he was very welcome because many of, of our parents joined him. My father and my grandfather and my eldest brother were rebels fighting alongside General Museveni. And that's where my grandfather died in the war. So we were for the war because the people were convinced that General Museveni was fighting a just cause, that he was fighting for democracy, respect for human rights, and the rule of law. Unfortunately, after he got into power, he changed and turned into an absolute dictator over time. It is 37 years now, and he doesn't want anybody that reminds him of what he said when he was much younger. Christopher, you grew up in Uganda, so of course you were very familiar with General Museveni. At what point did you become aware of this young man, Bobby Wine, who was attracting a tremendous following for his music, later on attracting a following for his political leadership? I knew about Bobby's music, and we used to play it at home quite a lot, long before I, I met him. It was whenever we wanted to make ourselves and our guests feel happy, we used to put Bobby's music on it. So upbeat and optimistic. I met Bobby first in 2017, and I actually met him in Europe. And I was just completely amazed by these people with this incredible optimism, and yet this willingness to make these huge sacrifices. They were sacrifices genuinely for the people of Uganda. I think that what happened was Bobby grew up in a ghetto in Kampala, and then from his musical talent, as you see in the film, he's managed to extract himself from that, and there he was in a situation where he had this beautiful wife, he had these beautiful children, he was living a pretty comfortable life. And then I guess he just looked back at all the people he'd left behind and he felt this is not right. I have to dedicate myself to changing their lives as well. And I think that's what makes this such a beautiful story in Bobby and Barbie. You've got these two people who are genuine African heroes and they were willing to make this great sacrifice for their country. Bobby has always been this consistent musician as long as I can remember. Every five years in Uganda, there is an election and Museveni pays off artists to sing him like a big campaign song. 
And as long as I can remember, Bobby has been that one artist who never joins that group. His music has been for the common man and uplifting the youth and offering hope. So he's been this consistent musician. So in some ways, I wasn't surprised when he was championing the change and asking for people to to rise up and to get involved. It's been a blessing that he uh, allowed us to capture this story of him on the front line as he was leading the revolution. Bobby, were there any parts of your life that you, you didn't really want the filmmakers to go into? Or were you just like, hey, whatever, whatever you want to film... Of course, there are a few parts of my life that I didn't want to be. I, mean, I didn't want anybody to see me crying. No, I want people to think I am a tough guy. But I'm probably not as tough as, as I would love to be. So I didn't want anybody to see me crying. I'm glad many of the crying bits were not included in the film. <laughs> we got one, Bobby. There's one. When Dan Magic. Yeah, when Dan Magic. Yeah, in such times when I got completely broken and it makes me feel bad to show people that I can break, I'm supposed to be a symbol of resistance. But honestly, I also break sometimes, many times. I think at the beginning, there was a little consciousness to the camera, but over time, I think like maybe the third year in Bobby and Bobby, everyone around them, they totally forgot about me, but I was there all the time. Until, you know, until we finished filming, that's when, oh, something is missing. And the kids started asking, what happened to Uncle Moses? You know, the access we had with Bobby and his family and the political party, NUP, was incredible. I'm curious, Christopher and Moses, uh, there's a sort of a subgenre of documentary which are built around political candidacies. There's the Marshall Curry documentary about Cory Booker and his running for mayor of Newark. This is going way back, which got a lot of attention. For instance, Sweet Mickey, which is about the election also of a pop star in Haiti, I wonder if there were any films that you could draw inspiration from as you thought about how you would construct this film. There was a film which came out just before called President, which was about the Zimbabwe election. I think we felt that um, Bobby was really quite unique. I think it's just, I mean, he's just got the most extraordinary personality. You know, we didn't set out to make a film which was about an election campaign because when we started... We didn't even know Bobby was going to run to be president. So it was very much start with this musician. He's a great guy. The music's fantastic. He's full of hope. He's full of optimism. And we'll just see where it goes. And we just followed him for five years. We stuck really, really close to him. And it went where it went. And it could have gone so many different directions. And Then when we were editing, we could have made 10 different films because there were so many other people who we would have loved to involve. But at the end of the day, we just stuck as close as possible to Bobby and Barbie. And that's the film we made. And the other thing, you know, we were always up against, when do you stop? When do you stop filming? This story hasn't finished. Bobby's never going to give up. The people around him are never going to give up. The people who've been incarcerated are still incarcerated. The people who've been lost family who still lost family. And this is an ongoing story, and this story will carry on until there's a change of government, and Bobby's not going to stop. All the people, all the wonderful people around him aren't going to stop. So this is a little snippet of what happened at one particular time, but this story's not over. 
National Geographic documentary films and Picture House present the provocative new film The Mission from Emmy-winning directors Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. The Mission tells the gripping story of John Chow, the young American missionary killed attempting first contact with the indigenous peoples of North Sentinel Island, examining how Chow's youthful thirst for adventure became a fatal obsession. Hailed by Vanity Fair as one of the best documentaries of the year, a nuanced discussion of religion, pop culture, and colonialism, says IndieWire. Compelling, says The Playlist. Riveting, says Deadline. The Mission, now playing in select theaters. Moses making any documentary is is a real challenge and in every respect it's always a challenge I think raising money there are all the creative challenges here it's really an extreme situation because your life in the field is at risk I mean you're in the middle of rallies that are being broken up by Ugandan police or military weapons being fired you were shot in the face in the making of this film, but it can give us some sense of just how scary and difficult it was to to be in the field making the film. Well, firstly, we've been very fortunate with this film and we had such a great uh, team around us and it's been uh, an incredible labor of love, you know, our great editor. And of course, uh, John Batsek, our producer, who helped us through the way. And, you know, it's been a great, great journey making this film. Of course, as you you mentioned, I was shot in the face. I was, you know, locked up in prison. Um, I was intimidated. I was followed multiple times, uh, you know, phone calls and then interrogated in a police cell. I I knew some of these things would happen, you know, but the story was much larger than myself. And for me, it was more about the story of the country and the revolution that Bobby Wine was was leading. That was more important. I mean, right now I live in in the US. I I can't live in Uganda anymore because of the film, but it's a sacrifice that is worthwhile and... It's been an incredible journey and Bobby and the whole political movement are just the bravest people. Um, earlier he was saying about crying and all, but he's not a very emotional person. And I think I've only seen him twice or so, you know, break down. But they're very, uh, you know, strong individuals amidst constant oppression and kidnaps. And, and this is still happening until today. Until I think a few days ago, one political leader was just released from being held in Comunicado. He had been tortured and he was kidnapped. And, and you know, some of the things that the Museveni regime is doing to the Ugandans right now are things that he himself went in the bush to fight against. So it's shocking that this is the reality of today. And Bobby, what has it been like for you to travel around the world with this film? Sundance at CPH Docs in Copenhagen, taking it to a world audience. And of course, you know that in doing that, you are are letting the wider world know about what's happening in Uganda because they, they talk about sunshine as the best disinfectant. If there's no attention on the politics of Uganda and the West, then nothing's going to change most likely because whether it's the European Union or the Biden administration, they're supporting Museveni with an enormous amount of money. 
little did I expect in the beginning that this film would turn out to be our biggest foreign policy tool. Looking at this young man with a funny heart, with a musical background, it was not very easy for me to convince the men and women in suits about the situation back home. Knowing that General Seven pays so many reputable companies to paint a rosy picture of his regime back home. There's clearly no way we would equal to him. I mean, many of those that fought against his rule in the past, Dr. Kizabesije and the rest, did not go so far at that. But the presence of this film is an unbelievable resource that we have because we don't have to talk so much. People just see what's happening. And I only need to show up and say, yeah, I'm one of the survivors and I'm here. And the message is spread. So I'm very, very, very thankful that our paths even crossed with Christopher Sharp, that there was even this idea. And I'm very thankful to myself and my wife that we did not resist this opportunity because we had every reason to resist this opportunity, to resist this infringement of our, of our privacy giving that little and being able to achieve all this for our country and the generations to come. And I believe this film is going to immunize the future leaders of the Musevenism and all that. So I'm, I'm very glad. I even get to sleep in nice hotels, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time I leave Uganda for a screening, it feels like a brief vacation. From the stress back home, I get to meet the Ugandans that ran away from Uganda. Right now, I am uh, in touch with the community here in Los Angeles. And everywhere in the world that I go, there are thousands of Ugandans that are scattered all over the world. So they feel empowered. It, it is such a big, big, big empowering, I must say. And Moses and Christopher, I, I think there's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but no question that you hope one of the effects of the film would be to impact international policy vis-a-vis -vis Uganda. The Biden administration provides a billion dollars a year in aid to the country, some of which clearly is propping up the regime of Museveni. We really want that to stop. You know, it's not, I mean, as Bobby always says, he doesn't want the aid to stop. He wants it to be conditional. So he wants them to say, we want to carry on giving you aid, we want to support, we want to give health care. But firstly, you know, they need to track where all this money is going. A lot of the money ends up being used for military equipment, which is used against the Ugandan people, which is ridiculous. It should be conditional. It, there should be proper oversight of where the money goes. And then they should insist on free and fair elections. You know, at the last election, there was no monitoring from America and there was no monitoring from the European Union. They turned off the internet. The whole election was just such a farce. It's just a total waste of time. You know, we had footage which we didn't end up putting in the film because it just seemed so obvious and we just had so many things we wanted to say in the course of the two hours. But we had footage of policemen with black bags just stuffing ballots literally stuffing ballots. We had video of people clicking Museveni on ballot tickets and then wringing their hands because their hands were aching so much because they'd done so many votes for him. So, you know, you did all of that. And then 
what happened is they went around confiscating all the official, all the official documents of what actually people voted for. So it was beyond farcical. I mean, I would imagine they decided, you know, what the result was going to be, like 54% or whatever. I would imagine they decide that before. So the election is a sham, but Bobby actually went through it. He said, okay, you know, this is an election, even though we know it's a sham, even we know they're going to rig it and they're going to cheat and they're not going to go. He went through it because he's a Democrat. And that's one of the reasons the film is, it's got a message for anyone who cares about democracy and threats to democracy. Therefore, it speaks to the United States and certainly a lesson in how without vigilance, we can see our own democracy go away. And Uganda is not only authoritarian, it's beyond that into into dictatorship, but there's lessons for people in any country that's ostensibly democratic and, and government. Uh, I and Christopher making this film, we want the world to know that democracies are very fragile. And if you lose that, those democracies, this is what you will see, this is what you will have, or maybe worse, you know. So this film really demonstrates that in the clearest form. If Putin had been stopped at some point, we probably wouldn't see what's happening in Ukraine today. People were tortured in his regime. People have been murdered, you know, and even others killed within other countries. Dissidents murdered in London and regimes uh, and allies just kept quiet. So we hope that the world today will stand with individuals like Bobby Wine and uh, the fight for freedom that he leads back home. If it's ignored, it will be very sad for the world. Today, Africa is facing the immigration um, problems in the, in the English Channel and in, in the Mediterranean Sea. These problems start within the countries in Africa. You're spending all this money to try to stop people from coming in. But if that money was channeled, or if you want to help uh, the situation, you should think more of solutions on the ground. People want better opportunities, you know. Most of the youth all over the African continent, there's, there's not so many opportunities in front of them, you know, and there's dictatorships flourishing. The situation in Sudan is because there was a, a president that stayed in power for so long, uh, El Bashir. And the coups that we see in, in, in West Africa, people are looking for solutions, you know, and a lot of these immigrants, it's not that they want to get onto these harrowing journeys. Nobody would want to take such journeys. It's because they have no option. It's because they have no opportunities back home. It's because they need safe countries to live in. So if the world today wants to sort out these problems, we need to look for solutions like uh, leaders who are trying to change life in Africa and, and leadership in Africa. Moses seems to be saying that let the developed world help us deal with the disease and not with the symptoms. Thank you. Because they know the root cause of this. It's a governance issue that is messing up all of Africa. It is the dictatorships that are bringing all the instability. And then people have to run away on ships on the water, illegal immigrants, and all that. You know, all these young men and women would want to be home, but don't help the dictators displace them. Help the populations find a footing in their country. 
What I was going to add, I saw something really shocking the other day. It was the European Union's list of democracies in the world. And Uganda was included. And therein lies the problem. It suits these governments, it suits America, and it suits the European Union, and it suits a lot of people to pretend that countries like Uganda are a democracy. And it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking that the European Union should list Uganda as a democracy. And they do that because it suits them. They want to carry on doing business. They want to carry on funding all their little projects, other projects in Africa through countries like Uganda. But therein lies the problem. If they're going to pretend that Uganda is a democracy, there's a problem because Uganda is not a democracy. It's a terrible dictatorship. The film, of course, is Bobby Wine, the People's President, which is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Thank you so much to Moses Boyo, Christopher Sharp, the directors, and to Bobby Wine himself for joining us on Doc Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Matt and John, thank you so much. Oh, so wonderful to speak with Bobby Wine and with directors Moses Bueo and Christopher Sharp about Bobby Wine, the people's president. It's such an inspiring and moving story. And a couple of days after we spoke with them, Bobby returned to Kampala, the capital of Uganda, and was promptly arrested on the tarmac at -hmm. Entebbe International Airport. So he continues to face, at, at the very least, harassment from the government, which is not very happy about this film, presumably, and certainly not about Bobby's intention to continue his campaign to unseat General Yoweri Museveni. It's really amazing to talk with someone and then to see them in international headlines just a couple of days later. You'd mentioned that you think he's probably, because of this film, because of his prominence, will probably be safe. Yeah, it gives them a certain degree of protection, one one would hope. I mean, it's, you know, would be a very uncomfortable place to sort of try to bet on how a dictator, an all-powerful dictator, is going to react. Yeah. But I think it insulates him a little bit. And uh, Moses Bueo, the co-director, certainly told me that there's so many people who have paid with their lives for supporting Bobby and of course, they're not as well known, so they are really have no net. There's no protection for them. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing world that we live in, and we look to individuals to lead, and you never know where they can come from. In in this documentary, of someone, as you said, you know, a, a, a former pop singer, someone is a pop singer, and and but they find in themselves to rise to the occasion, rise to a cause. Um, you you see the same thing in the Ukraine. Zelensky, you know, a, a young man who was a comedian, and now you see him um, giving these speeches and leading this country and and fighting back against a, a in my opinion, um, a very clear form of evil, and finding the way to do it, finding the way to lead. I've, you know, as you know, Matt done many many stories about America, about our systems and our values, um, documentaries, films, narratives, and question sometimes and really question, do we have individuals who can help us lead, who can help us um, shape the world? Or as I think about this, and it's actually leading into to our, our program next week, you know, are, are we and our society ending up shaping the people who we actually need to lead us? And 
Um, it's a question I've always been interested in, in politics and mechanisms and how things work. But it's amazing in, in seeing it rendered and seeing it rendered by filmmakers who look at the levers of power and say, yeah, well, but did you know this? And did you know this is why these kinds of things happen? And I, I, I think you would probably agree there's, there, there are few directors who have done that as well as Don Porter. Um, absolutely amazing director, did also um, John Lewis Good Trouble. Uh, but she has a, a new documentary, actually a documentary series, and it's on Showtime, and this is about the um, the Supreme Court, and and it's really about how America made the Supreme Court, not how Amer- not how the Supreme Court shaped America, but how America shaped the Supreme Court, and that is a really interesting thesis. And um, Dawn in her new series, it's it's absolutely powerful. It's absolutely amazing. John, we're also going to get into this documentary from Frontline about Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife, Ginny Thomas, an investigative piece that certainly looks at the ethics, uh, or lack thereof, as some would say, of Justice Thomas, and how that that is impacting perceptions of the Supreme Court, which, um, as you know, and Don Porter knows, are at a very low level, you know, never seen before, of how and what low esteem the Supreme Court is currently held by the American public. So that's coming up on our next episode of Doc Talk. Look forward to it. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks, Matt. This is Doc Talk. Mm-hmm.